Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. For those of you who are new here this morning or watching online for the first time, we are so glad you're with us. If you come all the time, we're really glad you're coming back and, and you're joining us. Uh, I was thinking uh, last night, actually, as I was uh, getting ready to preach, that um, this message series that we're in, we're in this whole year of, uh, of a series called uh, Experiencing God Unreserved, which means all in, putting God first in our lives. But right now we're in a four-week series called Experiencing Growth. And there are different kind of sermons. When I went to seminary, I think one of the things they t- teach you in seminary is how to say big words that nobody cares about. But uh, for example, there are hortatory sermons. Now, hortatory, it's a Latin word, I found out. I told people last night it was a Greek word, but it's actually Latin. Uh, it just means exhorting, the exhorting people to do something different, okay? There's also didactic sermons, which is a Greek word, but pedagogical sermons, they're the same. They just mean teaching, all right? So this series is a teaching series. So I, I want you to understand, there's, difference, um, there's differences in our motivation, even as preachers. Why are we preaching? Always we want you to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you don't know him. Always we want you to grow, you know, take a next step from wherever you are uh, in following Jesus. But there are different reasons behind our messages. And this series is a series intended to teach and instruct us. And the reason it's called Experiencing Growth is because it talks about the four stages of spiritual growth. And last week, as Pastor Brad introduced us, we have um, the explorer. The explorer is the person who believes that there's a God, but hasn't trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord yet. And then there's the believer. That's who we're talking about today. Believers are people who have trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. And Savior means one who saves, saves us from sin and saves us from death. Lord means master or owner. And then next week, Pastor um, Alex is going to talk about the disciple, what it means to move from just believing that Jesus is Lord and having a personal relationship with him to talking about what it means to have a a commitment to the disciplines necessary. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined person. Uh, and, And actually... That, that word is sort of relative because I'm not the most disciplined person in the world, but I move through the disciple phase. And then the final phase is called the spirit-led phase, where the Holy Spirit is really leading in our lives. And everything we think, say, and do pretty much has to do with Jesus and his life in us and how we can help other people to know him as well. So what we're going to talk about today, as I said, is believer or growing in Jesus. That's in parentheses um, it, because that's what really a, a believer is. Uh, If we look at the distinctions between explorer and believer, and and this is in your outline, I believe, while explorers have a basic belief in God, as I said, they're not sure about Jesus and his role in their lives. But believers have now trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior and started their journey of growth as his disciples. Now, the series is not the, this isn't the first time we've done this series. In fact, it's the third time. So if you've been around for like Seven years, this is the third time you've heard this series. Repetition is the mother of learning, thus a teaching series, okay? But anyway, there was a a survey done by Willow Creek uh, Church, and they they actually surveyed more than 250,000 people in more than 1,000 churches around the United States and uh, and the world, actually. And and they found that there's these four categories uh, along a continuum. And it is more of a continuum. You don't just neatly fit either as an explorer, disciple, I mean, believer, disciple, spirit-led. You could be somewhere in between one of these stages. But the key thing is that there's some facts about each group. Believers, for example, um, is by far the largest segment in the group, and there are 38% of the people in the survey were in the believer segment. Now, in a rapidly growing church like New Life, it's more likely to be about 50%. 
The second thing about believers is they're the most active participants in virtually all church activities. They're more likely to be in worship on a weekend. They're more likely to be in a small group. They're more likely to serve in the church in some way or beyond the church on a mission trip. So they make up most of the volunteers, the, the greater percentage of volunteers in a local church. And then the last thing is their spiritual growth remains slow but steady. That was a little bit surprising to me. I thought maybe once you move from explorer to believer, all of a sudden you'd really want to grow quickly. But the, the reality is there's this slow sort of steady growth, which if you remember from your childhood days, slow but steady can win the race. Remember the tortoise and the hare, the hare lost, the tortoise won. So slow and steady can be a good thing. Now let's get, uh, let's take a closer look at what it means to be a believer. We're going to do that first through the take-home point. If you are new, the take-home point is the one point we bring out of Scripture. We make it in the message here, and the goal is to take it home and pray about it, think about it, and live it out in the week ahead. So here it is. Growing in Jesus starts when we trust Him as Savior and Lord. Obviously, you can't grow in Jesus until you know Jesus as Savior and Lord in your life. And so uh, as we move forward, what's going to happen is our lives are going to change radically from this general idea about God to now we know God. He has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So here's the definition of a believer from the book Move, which is a book that came out of this survey of all these, you know, quarter of a million people. So it's the people in this segment, they have a personal relationship with Jesus. They've made a commitment to trust him with their soul's salvation and for eternity, but they're just beginning to learn what it means and what it takes to develop a relationship with him. So every change or season in life, you know, moving from one to the next can be hard, right? I mean, moving from childhood to adolescence is a hard change. Moving from adolescence to adulthood is a difficult change. Now, I know if you're as old as me, you might not remember childhood or adolescence, but some of you are actually going through adolescence right now. And as adolescents, what you're asked to do, it's incredible. You're asked to make a decision about what you're going to do for work for the rest of your life. You're asked to, to look at these different people around you and decide which one do you want to be with, you know, for the rest of your life. Hard decisions. And as we make these commitments and these decisions, you know, there's some, there's some sort of, you know, tangents maybe. There's some false starts. But as we move forward from, you know, explore to believer and then into the disciple area, there is some growth. It's slow, it's steady, but it happens. So here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. Believers have God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's only one God inside of us, so the Holy Spirit can start to guide us. And those who are disciples and spirit-led can actually help us in the process. If you've ever seen a good sports team, here's what you know about the good sports team. The older players help the younger players learn how to play the game. It's true in work, too. You have, if you have a good business, the older workers help the younger workers to learn how to do the job. It's the same way in the Christian life. In fact, that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, how important it is to have people coming before us who are already more mature than us, teaching us and helping us along the way. And there's, there's one thing in all of these changes in our life, especially for adolescents going into adulthood, nothing's more important than this. No aspect of our lives is more important than what we do with Jesus. Because Jesus said he won't take second place in our life. He'll only take first place. And so we need to put Jesus first 
And as, as I said, as we do that, there will be some false starts, some, some, some you know, tangents, but we need to keep focused and we need to listen to those people who are helping us along the way. And, and a big part of experiencing God unreserved is helping each other in our church family to grow in Jesus. So the key aspect to learning and growing as Jesus followers at any stage is becoming familiar with the playbook to use a sports term, or the owner's manual, to use a more mechanical term, uh, the guidebook, which is the Bible. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the Bible now, and we're going to look and see what the Apostle Paul had to say to Timothy, his son in the faith, about this new life and how we can live it and grow it and the guidebook and how important it is. Before we do that, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us through Jesus. And I thank you, God, for the opportunity to believe in him as Savior and Lord. And today, as we open up your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will open up our minds and our hearts, our souls, our spirits, our lives, that we can not only hear your word, but receive it and then live it out in the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul wrote these words in 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. If you have your Bible, that's where we are. Your Bible app, you can turn there. It's also up on the screen. Paul wrote, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So let's look at this passage a little more closely. We're going to take the verses and sort of break them down. It says first, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. Everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody has someone in their life who first introduced them to God and his word. In my life, it was my mom, and then it was Bernadine Lockard and Geraldine Burns, Sunday school teachers, and then it was my Uncle Chuck, and then it was Pastor Andy Wygant. Now, there were others, of course, but those five people influenced me more from birth through my teenage years than anybody else did. And I hope that you had some people like that in your lives. And what Paul is challenging Timothy to do is to be intentional about living into this faith that first he inherited from those who came before him. But then he says this, you know they are true, that is the words you've been taught, for you know you can trust those who taught you. This is such an important reality. One of the reasons we can move from explorer to believer is because we see others who have already made the move and we can trust them. Timothy had a mother and a grandmother who were believers. And Timothy saw that. And he, he knew that their lives were trustable. And so because they were trustable, he could also trust what he had been taught, what he had learned. And Timothy, Paul tells Timothy next, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. While it's always helpful to have people, especially family members, who teach us about Jesus, here's the thing that you need to know. People will let you down. People, yeah, people will let you down. They're they're just people. But God will never let you down. His word will never let you down. Jesus will never let you down. So many folks have given up on Jesus, not because they've ever found anything wrong with Jesus. In fact, I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, I don't go to church anymore. I'm not involved in the church anymore. I'm not a Christian because nothing about Jesus. 
but because somebody let me down, because somebody you know, was a hypocrite, somebody did this, somebody did that, and I totally get that. Because when I was 15 years old, and I was in that growing in Jesus, I was probably moving from believer to disciple, I was in the thick of this you know, movement in this spiritual growth continuum, I left the church that I had been born into, grown up into when I was 15 years old because there were some hypocrites there. Hypocrites who didn't practice what they preached. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. And so I need you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say next. It might be the most important thing when it comes to actually growing in our faith. It's this. While we all need people to show us the ways of Jesus, the only example who never fails is Jesus. We need people. Jesus is the only example who never fails, and we learn about him and his ways most effectively through the Bible. Timothy had such a great advantage because he had trustable mother, trustable grandmother who taught him how to live his faith. And if you didn't have that advantage in your life, it's why it's so important to be part of a church family where the word of God is important, where it's crucial, where it's central, where Jesus is lifted up, his salvation, his lordship, and where you have members and and leaders who are living out the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, if you have found people who have let you down, please forgive them. They weren't Jesus. They were just doing the best they could to tell you about Jesus, or maybe they actually were hypocrites who couldn't have picked Jesus out of a lineup. In either case, the bottom line is Jesus doesn't let us down. His word doesn't let us down. People do. And I really wish I had learned that when I was 15 years old. Because when I was upset with these, and actually it was two old ladies who were probably younger than I am right now, but anyway, um, who were the hypocrites who caused me to leave the church. And so for two years, I didn't go to church. I read my Bible. I told people about Jesus, but I didn't go to church for two years. And then Andy Wygant came as pastor. And what Andy did was over a period of about six months, he became my friend. I loved studying the Bible, even though I wasn't going to church. And so he asked me if I'd like to study the Bible with him. And once a week, we'd get together and study the Bible. He asked me when he went on hospital visits if I'd like to go do hospital visits. Now, that seems like a weird thing for a teenager to do, but actually, I enjoyed it. So we went on hospital visits. Then he asked me if I'd like to play racquetball. I had never played racquetball, and it turned out that Andy had been a... a, varsity tennis player at Harvard and had never been defeated, he was really good at racquetball. So we, we played racquetball together. So after about six months of this relationship, he said to me one day, Chris, why don't you ever come to worship? And I had a simple answer because they're all hypocrites. Now notice there were two hypocrites, but I made them all into hypocrites. They're all hypocrites. And so Andy took me through a few scenarios from my own life. And what he helped me to understand was that I was also at times a hypocrite. And then he said to me, well, you know, I always figured I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than to hell with him. Huh. So here I am, 45 years later. I've been going to church almost every week since then because it made sense. I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than to hell with him also. As we learn, as we live in churches, I've been a part of eight churches in my life. And here's the thing I can tell you about all eight of them. Most of the people in those churches love Jesus and were seeking to show me how to become, you know, first a believer, then a disciple, and then a spirit-led. Now, there were a few hypocrites. There are in every church. Actually, all of us are somewhat hypocrites at some times, right? And so what I've learned over the years is to look at the best in them, but always to turn to Jesus and to his word and never to let some hypocrite keep me from going to heaven someday because of their actions. So the Apostle Paul reminded us of something that's very crucial. 
He reminded us of the Bible's place in our life as followers of Jesus. Here's what he said. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip us, his people, to do every good work. Notice what it says. All scripture, not just the ones, verses that we have underlined in our Bibles, not just the ones that we've memorized, but all scripture is breathed out, inspired by God. And what does it do? It shows us what's true. And what happens in our lives when we learn what's true is we realize what we're not doing. You know, right, we learn what's, what's wrong. But the thing I love about God and his word is the reason we are told what's wrong is not so we can focus on what's wrong in our lives, but so we can be focused towards the truth and the good in our lives. In fact, what's the purpose at the very end? It says the purpose of it is God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, if you're an explorer, you're watching online or you're here this morning and you're, you're, you're thinking about God and you're not sure about Jesus and I say the reason we have the word of God is to prepare and equip us for every good work, you might be thinking, that doesn't sound like fun. And I'll be honest with you, it isn't always fun. The thing I've learned over the years, though, from moving from here to here to over here at the spirit-led end of the life is doing what God calls us to do and teaches us to do, instructs us to do, leads us to do. While it's not always more fun, it's always better. There's a big distinction between fun and better. Pastor Mark uses the expression 15-minute decisions. Here's a 15-minute decision. Let's go out and get drunk tonight. So we get drunk. And for 15 minutes, we feel good, and maybe an hour we feel good, maybe a couple hours we feel good. Then we go to sleep, and we wake up in the morning, and we don't feel good. And when that happens once, okay, chalk that up to experience, and I learned from my mistake, but then when we do that over and over and over again, and what happens is our lives have consequences, and every action has a consequence. And so when we are doing these 15-minute decisions with our lives, the consequences build up and up and up and up. And pretty soon, you know, I always say it this way, sin is fun until it isn't. And one day we wake up and it isn't fun. So it's much better, as we are told here, to let the word of God equip us, his people, for um, every good work. So if you're in the believer stage today, you accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, you know that he is, you know, you have a personal relationship with him and and you want to move, eventually you want to move to disciple, but you're here in the believer thing. Here's five things that you need in your life to be able to move forward. And if you're already a disciple or a spirit-led person, the reason this is for you is you can help in these areas. In fact, we need to be helping in these areas. So here they are. Number one is help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus Two, help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. Three, church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. Four, compelling worship experiences. Five, challenge to grow and take next steps. Now, if you were here last weekend, when Pastor Brad talked about explorers, you know that number one thing that explorers need is the same thing, number, the same number one thing that believers need, and that is a challenge to grow. I'm, I'm sorry, a, a, cha- a help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. Help and it makes sense, right? Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the most important thing you need is help in developing that relationship. But even once you're a believer, it's new. It's a brand new relationship. And as with all new relationships, there's a period of time where you need to learn and you need help from those who have already been, you know, experiencing that relationship for some time. So the second thing you need is 
help in understanding the Bible. That was fourth for explorers. That makes sense because if you're an explorer, the Bible isn't really important to you yet because you're not sure about Jesus. And if you're not sure about Jesus, the Bible isn't necessarily the most important book in your life. But once you become a believer, the Bible is the most important book in our lives. And I'm going to talk a little bit about understanding, help in understanding the Bible. Because here at New Life, if you come every weekend, what you'll find is we will always open the Bible and it will be the central point for our teaching or our or exhortation or motivation in our messages. The Bible forms the core of that because we know that's where we find out about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, especially about Jesus. And so that's going to happen. In our small groups, that's going to happen. In our children's ministry, that happens. In our New Life students, that happens. It happens everywhere here at the church. But here's something that you need to understand. The single most important thing any of us can do to understand the Bible is to start reading it every day. If you don't have a Bible, we have a lot of Bibles here at New Life, and you can pick one up on your way out. Right over by the office, we have some Bibles. If you have one of these right here, you have hundreds of Bibles at your disposal. The YouVersion Bible app, you can download it for free. And there's hundreds of English versions, there's dozens of Spanish versions, there's Greek versions. And, and I love this because I can be reading my English Bible and all of a sudden I say, I wonder if that word's important. I turn over to the Greek, you don't have to do that, but I can do that. And so I look at it and say, oh, that's an important word or it's not that important word. Anyway, the point is you can study your Bible or read your Bible right here on your phone. The next thing that I want you to understand is how, you know, where do you start? That's what people ask me. Probably the question people have asked me most about the Bible over the years is, where do I start? And there's actually a note in your outline about that. I suggest read one chapter of Mark, that's a gospel about Jesus' life, and one chapter of Proverbs, which is a book in the Old Testament, each day. Why do I suggest that? Well, there are 16 chapters in Mark, which means that in a month, there is usually 31 days, sometimes 30, but you'll read through Mark twice in one month. You'll have to read a couple extra chapters at the end of the month. There are conveniently 31 chapters in, or, yeah, in Proverbs, so you could read one chapter every day. If you do that for six months, what will happen? You will have the wisdom of the wisest king in the history of Israel, and you will have the life of Jesus, and it will start to be in your mind. What I've found over the years is when the, word, when the Word of God gets in our minds, it can eventually move into our hearts, and the Holy Spirit can use it to change us and help change other people. So that's what I would suggest. Then, the third most important thing is church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. Pastor Brad mentioned this last week, and I simply want to affirm what he said. Here at New Life, you have a staff as well as many other leaders in all the ministries here who love Jesus, who love uh, learning about him, who read his word consistently, and who are here to help you and, and to model that life. And that's really important. When you're wanting to learn something new, I mean, you can read about how to ride a bicycle, but it's helpful if you see somebody ride a bicycle, right? It, you can read about, and you should and must read from the Bible, but it's good to have some examples, always remembering what I said earlier. People will let you down at some point, and they might act like a hypocrite momentarily, or some will longer, but the point is, the people here, the leaders in all the ministries, the staff are here because we love Jesus, because we believe his commands, and we're seeking to live them out in the power of the Holy Spirit. The next thing is compelling worship experiences. Now, last week, the Explorer, that was number two 
But for the believer, it's number four. That makes sense because if you don't really believe yet that Jesus is God, when you come to worship, you don't want to, you don't want it to put you to sleep, right? You want to, you want to be energized. And so we have compelling, compelling worship here. We have a band, and I know that you know for some people that they don't like that. In fact, a long time ago. Uh, when we first introduced um, contemporary music, it's called, it's called all kinds of different things, you know, uh, to a different church, I started having people come to me and they said this, you know, I don't come to church to be entertained. And I said, look them square in the eye and said, yes, you do. Everybody comes to church to be entertained. Let me explain the difference between preaching and entertaining. Preaching is to present religious information, particularly in a boring or tiresome manner. Okay. Entertain means to capture and hold the attention for an extended period of time. If I can't capture and hold your attention for an extended period of time, you can't learn anything. So our goal is to entertain here at New Life. Trust me, we've been doing this for 18 years purposefully. We want you, when you hear the words of the songs, you might not even know that most of the words are coming right from the Bible. And you'll find yourself singing the words and one day you'll realize, huh, that came from the Bible. That's Psalm 121. Oh, that, that's from the, the Gospel of John. Oh, because our minds are really built, and I guess the designer must have designed them to have music be a way that we're influenced. So anyway, compelling worship. As we mature, as we move down the spectrum, those things become less important. In fact, you'll see next week, compelling worship isn't even on the list for a disciple or for um, those who are spirit-led. But we're totally fine that this is where we start because this is where we all start. You know, and in fact, there's even a stage before stage one, which is you don't even care about God. But if you're an explorer, what we know about you is we're going to help you by making this service something that, ho and if you fall asleep, I used to get upset when people fell asleep in church, but now I just go, they must be tired because hardly anybody does, right? And so if you want to come to church and fall asleep, that's good. Maybe you'll get something by osmosis. Okay, then the last thing, the last thing that the believer needs is a challenge to grow and take next steps. Now, this surprised the people of Willow Creek. They were always called the seeker-sensitive church, you know, and so they sort of thought that the new believer would need to be coddled, you know, a little encouragement. But what we have always believed here at New Life is it doesn't matter what stage you're at. You need a serious challenge to grow from wherever you are, from explorer to believer, from believer to disciple, from disciple to spirit-led. You need to be challenged to do that. We know that. Somehow we just intuitively knew that, maybe because we read the Bible and we found out that Jesus sort of challenged people. He didn't tell people, well, if it makes you feel comfortable, we'll do this. He said, go and do this or don't do that. His, 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 his words are filled with commands, not suggestions. And so we knew that that was important. In fact, when we started at New Life, we used to have, we now have what we call a next step. You're going to hear about the next step here in just a few minutes. But we used to call it the challenge, today's challenge. And then we change it from today's challenge to today's commitment and today's next step. Well, why have we changed that? Well, we realized something. A challenge is something you can take it or leave it. I challenge you to a race, Mickey. After church, we're going to run down from here to Knock High School. And he can say, no, I'm not going to do that. See, that's a challenge. But a commitment is something that you're going to do. A next step is something you're going to do. So we have next steps in the message because we believe that once we hear from the word of God, the only way it's really gonna become part of us is if we do something about it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what's gonna happen. If we wanna really experience God unreserved, 
It's always going to mean opening God's word and then finding out what's wrong with us and where we need to be corrected and then calling on God to change us from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. Here's the best news in today's didactic message, teaching message, right? It is, once we have done everything we can, we've read the Bible, we've started to try to do this stuff, and we fail, because we will sometimes, the Holy Spirit is there to give us power to succeed. In fact, one of my favorite two verses is Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. In verse 12, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What that means is we're supposed to do everything that we can do. But once we've done everything we can do and we've fallen flat on our face, it says in verse 13, because God is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is there to pick us up, to dust us off, and to give us more energy. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians that the Holy Spirit is able to exceeding, do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or imagine in our lives. So that's what we have as Jesus' followers. We have commands, things to do to prepare and equip us for every good work. And we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the good work. So next week... Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we move from believer to disciple, where Jesus is a regular part of our, we don't, you know, we don't leave home without him. We want to make sure that he's part of our everyday lives. But before we get to that, we have a next step for today. Here's the next step. I will read my Bible every day because it is the surest way to know Jesus better. I will read the Bible every day. Now, how much? I'm not going to tell you. You can read a verse, you can read a chapter, you can read a book. I know this, you can read the whole New Testament in about 10 hours if you're an average reader. I'm not going to tell you how much to read. But what I'm going to tell you is, if you make this commitment, it is a commitment, if you're an explorer and you read the Bible every day, eventually what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to open up your mind and your spirit and your life, and you're going to go, whoa, this is true. And, and then you'll move to being a believer. And if you're a believer and you read the Bible every day, what's going to happen is you're going to hear about the disciplines of prayer, about fasting, about serving and giving and all those things. And it's going to move you next step, next step, next step. And eventually what you're going to happen is you're going to find yourself a spirit-led follower of Jesus. It's an inevitable consequence of reading, your wor reading his word, applying it in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not an inevitable consequence that once we become believers, we'll become disciples. But it is an inevitable consequence if we read his word and we live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit because we become more and more and more like him. That's the goal for this week. Very simple, not very easy. But then again, you want a challenge if you're a believer. And if you're a disciple, you eat challenge for breakfast. If you're spirit-led, then you not only eat challenge for breakfast, but you also help to challenge those who are behind and encourage those behind to follow. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you that when we walked away from you, you didn't walk away from us. And God, I, I pray today for any who are watching online, any who are in this room, who are at the explorer stage of this spiritual growth continuum, that they know there's a God, they know you're there, but they're not sure about Jesus. I pray that right now in this instant, that they will say yes to Jesus as Savior, saving them from sin and death, and as Lord, owner of their lives. 
And God, I pray that right now they will simply say, I admit that I need you. I, I, I believe that you are who you say you are. And I, I confess, God, that I, I, I'm a sinner and I need your, your life in me. God, for those of us who are believers or we're disciples or we're spirit-led, God, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit so that we will take another step because even when we're spirit-led followers, we know that there are still many more steps to go in this life till we see you one day and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master's kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.